I'm ready for this message. I've been ready to preach this message for two weeks. I've been holding on to it, okay, for today, okay? I was saving it for today, okay? Because I knew, not like, not like I'm a prophet, like I knew like that. I just got eyes to see and, 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 and that what's going on in the country, okay? And I knew today there might be a few people that need to hear this message, amen? So tonight I'm talking about, and I titled tonight's message, Not Going Beyond What Is Written. Now I want to start this off with a couple caveats, okay? Uh, number one, we live in a day and an age in the church where, and I'm going to use quotation marks, prophets abound everywhere. Amen. Everybody's got a word from God. Everybody heard this. And everybody knows that. But you ask them what they read in their Bible today. I bet they couldn't tell you. I bet you, if you ask them what they preached on last week, they'll give you three scriptures. A little cute little poem. And then they'll give you whatever the Lord laid on their heart to say. And I'm not putting down or making fun of anybody. But God, can God lay on your heart to do things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can God uh, give you an urgency and a want to to go and do something? Absolutely. Do I think that everybody out here calling themselves a prophet is a prophet? No. And I think a lot of people that prophesied this thing and that thing about, I'm going to say it, and I don't like talking about politics, but all those people that prop, now I'm not talking about the people who, who had their conspiracy theories, okay? I'm talking about people who actually said, thus saith the Lord, or the Holy Spirit told me, okay? I'm talking about those people. Now, if you, ain't, if you ain't one of them people, and you ain't been listening to one of them people, and all you've been doing is listening to this person's ideas, and that person's ideas, and this person saying, I know this about politics, and this is what's going to happen, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people who came out and said, thus saith the Lord about this election. Okay? Can, can I go ahead and touch on this for a minute? Because my role as a pastor is to warn you against false teachers. That's my role, right? That's one of the things a pastor's supposed to do is say, hey, they did something wrong. Don't follow that stuff, amen? Now, I want to say this in love, and I've heard this from other people. Well, the, 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 uh, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, so if you don't have to get the prophecy, then you can't say nothing. Eat wrong. That's not what that scripture means. That scripture doesn't mean a prophet can only be judged or told that he's wrong by another prophet. Because everything in the church is supposed to be at what? Two or three witnesses? Amen? That's how prophecy is established in the church in the New Testament. Amen? So I can't just come out here and say God said and then that's fact. Amen? I have to have the witness of two or three other people. Do you know what else we need witness of? This book right here. 
If what you're saying doesn't line up with the Word of God, then I'm going to believe the Word of God. Now the Word of God says, and we'll, we'll get into this later, Deuteronomy 18 and 20, that if any prophet prophesies anything in my name that I have not told him to prophesy, or he prophesies in the name of another God, let him be stoned. That prophet shall surely die. That's what it says. So maybe what it'll take is us instituting some Old Testament law and saying, hey, if you're going to prophesy and be wrong, this is what we're going to do. I bet all of these people would shut up. I bet, we'd, I bet we wouldn't find a New Testament prophet anywhere. But as it is right now, they don't have any consequence for their actions. They're not even held to account for the words that they supposedly said for God. That's wrong. And it's not biblical. It's not biblical for us to allow people to say, thus saith the Lord, and never, ever, ever question them. That's not biblical. We have a right, a duty, a responsibility to each other to say, is this really what God's saying? Amen? That's the way it should work. Now, we're going to get into all these different things, but tonight I wanted to talk about starting out. Anybody that has followed or listened to or... Uh, 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 quoted one of these so-called prophets. First of all, I'm calling those prophets to repent, to come clean and say what I heard was not from God. Why? Because anything that God says will happen, period. God doesn't say something and then it falls short. God doesn't say something and then it doesn't happen. When God says it's going to happen, it will happen. And I stood by for almost a year listening to so-called prophets get on Facebook, TV, YouTube and say, Thus saith the Lord, so-and-so will win the election. So this will happen and that will happen, but they will win. They were wrong. They are not prophets. Run away. Don't listen to them. Don't follow them. You find a good church that believes the Bible, preaches the Bible, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and not all this fancy uh, new age, uh, worldly, uh, uh, so-called gospel that we're going to make everybody feel good about God, feel good about their self, instead of feel good about God, what God did for them. Do you realize that all those prophecies were were just another spinoff of this uh, uh, of this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel to, to pronounce good things instead of what God actually wants in this season? Because I can guarantee you, if 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 the president was supposed to stay in office and God ordained it that way, he'd be there. Because God lifts up a king and puts another one down. God raises up one government and puts another one down. We may look at it and say, no, it was them people. No, it was God. Look at Joseph. His brothers had every evil intent. 
to throw him in that pit and kill him. His brothers had every evil intent to sell him into slavery and never see him again. But at the end of his uh, journey, when his brothers were standing there before him and Joseph was second in command of all of Egypt, Joseph could have looked at him and said, I, uh, I know you evil so-and-sos and you're going to jail and you're done. I'm, cut, I'm cutting you off and you, you did it. But you know what he said? He said, what you meant for evil. God, not even God turned it for good. God meant it for good. Meaning their intent, even though they thought they were acting on their own volition, God had other intentions for their intentions. Do you understand that we could be in a season right now? I'm telling you that no matter whose intention to do anything bad right now, God has other intentions. And I think God's intention is to get God's people's focus back on God. Back on the word of God. Back on Christ and him crucified and nothing else. But we live in such a day and an age that if we don't sound cool and don't sound prophetic and don't sound like we got some kind of thing to offer everybody, then, then nobody's going to come to our church. Good! I don't want them anyway. I want real born again people. I want people to come here because they love God. I want people to come here because they want the fellowship of the saints. I want people to come here because they want to be able to really look at the Bible and say, is this what it's teaching and not what it's teaching? And not go to a church where they say, oh, 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 this is just how our denomination does it sound. They won't even look at the scriptures with you. They won't even look at uh, certain topics with you because they think that you shouldn't be able to question. That's not what the Bible says. The New Testament church should be questioning all of it. Amen? Now, I'm going to get to a text so people don't think I'm a heretic. <clears throat> now, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now, I'm going to read just the verse, and then I'm going to give you some context from some notes that I've written down, okay? Number one, this is chapter four, verse six. These things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. And no one, uh, that not one of you would be puffed up one against another. Now watch this. I'll read it from the ESV so you get a little bit clearer understanding of what he's trying to say. Because we all don't speak 1611 King James, okay? <laughs> For real. I have applied all of this, all of these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit. Brothers, that you might learn by us not to go beyond what is written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor one against another. Now, when I first start talking about this, you're going, well, Pastor, how does this apply to anything that we're talking about? Why are these people, first of all, prophesying something that isn't true? That's the real question. The question isn't, hey, why does this apply? The question is, what's the motive behind the 
prosperity gospel. What's the motive behind the health, wealth, prosperity? You're only going to hear good things gospel. Because that's what you were getting when, when prophets are on TV and uh, YouTube and Facebook and TikTok and TikTok and Tic-Tac-Toe and all those other things and, and trying to prophesy that this, this, and this is going to happen and we can stand here now and say that didn't happen. So the motive is not to glorify God, which was what prophecy is supposed to do anyway. The motive was to glorify them. So that they can make a name for themselves. And if you spend five seconds listening to a, a Facebook video, if you spend three, just, just a minute listening to one of these YouTube videos of these so-called prophets, do you know what you hear all throughout the message? I, 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 I. That's all you hear. I heard from the Lord. The Lord told me. They're not glorifying Christ. They're not glorifying God. They're not even doing it for the edification of the church. They're doing it for their own selfish agenda to make a name for themselves. I don't care if anybody ever remembers Kevin O'Connor. When I die, I hope what they do remember is that Kevin O'Connor preached Christ. Kevin O'Connor preached that Jesus saves. Kevin O'Connor preached that everyone needs to come to repentance and faith in Christ. That's what they should hear. Not that he was some great prophet, so-and-so, that prophesied this over this region and that region and this other region. I could get real charismatic with it. Show me one time in the New Testament where Paul or Peter or James or John, or any of them, Apollos, uh, 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 who's the other ones that, that went around with him? Uh, oh my goodness, Barnabas, any of them. Show me anywhere where they said, the Lord came to me in a vision and told me I'm to take down the strongholds of this region and told me I was to pray against the strongholds of that region, that I was to bind up the devils over here. You know what? Never happened. Not one time in the New Testament. So somehow, these New Age apostolic leaders walk in authority and power that Paul didn't? They walk in power and authority that Peter didn't? I submit to you that they're not walking in any godly power or authority. I think they're walking in their own fleshly desire to be powerful, to be seen of men. Peter, Paul, none of them done that. Matter of fact, they were so not in charge of their region that they all died in the region God put them in. They walk in some kind of supernatural all the time. I'm walking in, I'm walking right out of the jail. He walked out of jail one time. Last time he, that he went into a jail, he died. That's the kind of power he had. The power wasn't this power to be up and over everything. The power was to present the gospel no matter the circumstance. The power was to preach Christ no matter what I'm going through, no matter who opposes me, no matter who says, oh no, you need this and you need that. It was to preach Christ. 
That was what the power was for. Not to make a name for themselves. Which is exactly what this is talking about. Because in this whole first five chapters, it's talking about some say, I'm with the Pauls. Some say, I'm with Cephas. And some say, I'm with Paul. And Paul says, I seek to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because Paul wasn't out to make a name for Paul. He was out to make a name for Jesus. He wasn't out there to, to build some great following to, 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 to please men and to, to be plotted by men and to, and, and to be right all the time and to do this. He was there to preach Jesus. Show me one time, and now I know people get mad at me when they say, well, Pastor, just because it wasn't in there doesn't mean that. Yes, it does mean that. If the Apostle Paul didn't operate that way, you shouldn't. Amen? I shouldn't walk around here acting like I can buy this and have dominion over that when Paul never once. Not one time did Paul say that, did Peter say that, did James say that? None of them. Not one. Yet they want you to believe that's what you're supposed to be able to do. Can't prove that from here. Can't prove that in the life of the apostles. Do we have dominion? Yes, because of Christ. He's over all. He reigns over all. Not me. Christ has been given all power. All authority. Christ, not Kevin. Christ. Now I want to read a little note before I get way too excited like I just did. Paul here emphasizes the importance of not going beyond written what is written in Scripture. And he exemplifies this by five quotations that he makes prior to this statement. Okay? We'll read through them in just a second. I want to read one more note from my brand new nerdy King James Bible <laughs> that Bryant said was nerdy, okay? said, Paul did not disclose the identities of these misguided, arrogant leaders. He contrasted them with Paul, with himself and Apollos. Paul and Apollos had illustrated dramatically in their foolish message that they did nothing beyond what was written in Scripture. Paul, did, Paul had determined to know nothing among them uh, in, Corinth, in Corinth, say Jesus Christ and him crucified. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. The church was not to be, inf uh, to be inflated with pride in favor one person over another. They were to uh, boast only in the Lord. Now I, got a, I got a quick question for you guys, and I just want to ask this. And I want you to, to answer me as honestly as you can, honestly as you know how, okay? Now, do we believe that this Bible is the infallible, inerrant word of God? Do we believe that? Yes. <clears throat> now, I don't know where you stand on how people prophesy or any of that. We're going to get into that in a minute. Now, if, if someone says 
Thus saith the Lord, nowadays is it equal to this. If you can't answer that question, don't be mad at yourself. The reality is it's not authoritative. Otherwise, we would have to keep writing this book. If we heard all these thus saith the Lord's that everybody's prophesying, we just have to start putting Bibles with about 10,000 more pages in the back of them so we can just start writing down all these canonized words from God. You realize why we call this canon? Because we believe that this is what God gave us for life and godliness, to live for him. That's the Christian view for the last 2,000 years. You realize it's only been in the last 150 years where people started acting like they could just keep writing, just keep adding, just keep saying. The reality is if you believe in sola scriptura, which means by scripture alone, we understand that this is scripture. Right? Anything that I say from behind this pulpit better come out of here. Better be able to be verified in here. Therefore, if anybody says anything that's beyond this, they're not speaking on God's behalf, they're speaking on their behalf. Even in the New Testament, the New Testament people that prophesied weren't prophesying whatever they wanted. Any and all, everything. I'll prophesy and get new red shoes. Prophesy and you're going to get a new Mercedes Benz. Nowhere in the New Testament do you see anybody operating like that. The prophecies always confirmed what we knew about Christ according to Scripture. Do you notice that when Paul went and preached in the, in the vicinity around Berea, that those Jews who believed, what did they do? says they searched the scriptures diligently to see if what Paul said was true. The prophecies in the New Testament church in the book of Acts and in the epistles, those all were verifying what scripture already told about Christ. They weren't some mythical, mystical thing that just prophesied anything and everything about everybody's future. That's not prophecy. It wasn't even prophecy in the Old Testament. Every Old Testament prophet, who did they prophesy about, Mike? Israel. They prophesied about Israel's demise. They prophesied about Israel's uh, uh, final redemption, which would come through the Messiah. Everything that was prophesied was about God's people, for God's people, not all this other stuff that people call prophecy now. You see what I mean? It's just like every other thing in the Bible. They are adulterating that gift and acting like it's something that it is not. 
It's not some kind of superpower where I can walk into this room and just start telling you your future, start telling you your future, start telling you your future. That's not, no prophet in the Old Testament operated that way. They just walk up to everybody and anybody and talk about their stuff. Didn't happen. Didn't happen in the New Testament. It was done when God desired it to happen for a specific purpose and for the church. Notice where we're going to get there. 1 Corinthians 14, where they talk about prophecy, 1 Corinthians 12, where they talk about prophecy, was always for the edification of the church. Not for principalities and countries and, and not even, not even for all their well-being. You think it was for their well-being that uh, the angel said, hey, I'm going to wreck this ship. Don't worry, nobody's going to get lost. Paul still got taken to Rome. Paul still got beheaded. I'm just saying. I know you want the other preaching, okay? Let me keep going. Let's go watch this. I'm going to show you the five different times that Paul quotes the Old Testament scriptures in talking about this same subject. Now, the subject matter here is people being proud and boastful of who they're following and who's this and all, being puffed up one against another, right? That's the context. I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to misapply this to uh, people prophesying today. What I'm saying is the reason that those people were prophesying that way was to be seen that they were great, not that Christ was great. It was to puff up their own egos, okay? Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. Now, I want to show this. This is from Isaiah, right? He says, I will, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Now, he's quoting Isaiah. How is he quoting Isaiah? What context is he quoting Isaiah in? Go just one verse up. And you can get plenty of context. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the context is the cross. Now, you said, well, Pastor, you said it's, it's about following Paul and Paul is not. Okay, glad. I'm glad you thought that. Go up to verse 11, because I'm going to show you that this is what he's talking about. And then he's using this verse from Isaiah to show you that we're not to rely on ourselves. Amen? For it has been reported to me by Chloe, uh, by Chloe's people, excuse me, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? I bet he says, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He said, I thank my God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Stop. Right here, Paul's making an example of who we should be following. Right now, 
I'm going to say it like it is, okay? What I've witnessed for the last year and a half, year, because I, I don't know if you guys, now I know Ruth doesn't know this, and I know Tabitha doesn't know this, but I know Mike, and I know a lot of people on that uh, Facebook channel know for the last year and a half I've been doing one thing. Everything I preach has to come back to Christ. Everything I preach has to come back to the gospel. I've been quoting uh, Galatians 1 and 6 so much that we got it memorized. 1 and 8, excuse me. Uh, that if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than the one that's been presented to you, let him be accursed. That really dug into my heart for the last year and a half. Everything I preach comes back to the Bible. It can't be, oh, sounds good, what feels good, what people want to hear. I don't care. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching Christ. I'm preaching the word of God. Amen? Yes. Throughout the centuries. I know this is going to be hard for Pentecostal people to hear this. But before all this 1902, whenever the Pentecostal movement really began, before all that, before there was falling down at the altar, before there was getting slain in the spirit, before all that, people were devout Christians who loved God unto the death. The reformers, if we would have went back in time to the Reformation, they would have thought we was demon-possessed. But they gave their life for the gospel. And I don't know very many people in America that would do it. And I'm praying God changed me that I could be one of those people that no matter what, no matter who's in office, no matter who's in charge, no matter where I'm at, I'm going to be the guy in the wilderness screaming on the street corner, come to Jesus, come to Christ, know him today, repent and believe, trust Christ. Amen? And that's if that's all I'm remembered for, good. Because I think many today in America have adulterated the gospel to the point where we think there's so many other things that are important. We'll follow this prophet and that prophet and all oh, this person that says they hear from God and that person that says they hear from God and not one of them, not one of them will give you a chapter and verse to go along with their prophecy. Or they'll pull out an Old Testament prophet. I, I, watched, I watched one a few weeks ago. A man was talking about a prophecy and literally you can go to the Bible and find where it says this prophecy was fulfilled we're not waiting on that prophecy anymore that prophecy don't apply to today it's done it got fulfilled it doesn't need to be fulfilled it's already been there amen we can't misapply scripture to try to mean something for now that obviously have an intent, a meaning, and is done according to Scripture, says that prophecy was fulfilled. Amen? All right, let's keep going. I know I'm stepping on toes. I don't want to step on too many toes. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. Same same chapter, just verse 31. And to get some context, we'll go ahead and read verse 30 also. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom and righteousness from God. 
righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord not me not what God told me but in what God have already done for me amen let's go to second Corinthians or first Corinthians excuse me verse uh, chapter 3, verse 19. And then we're going to go to 20 also. We're going to read 19 and 20. Okay? <clears throat> we're going to start at verse 18 so we can get some more context. Okay? Hmm. No, 1 first, first Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, 18. <clears throat> Let no one deceive you. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he might become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written. Notice he's giving you scripture. He's not just telling you something off the fly. He's telling you why he's saying it. Watch this. He says, uh, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Wow. Wow. What's he saying? Stop trusting in people. Stop trusting in people. Stop putting your faith somewhere it doesn't belong. Amen? And, and, and you know, it's, it's the people that get on TV and they're all oh, prophesying this and I'm prophesying that. What ends up happening is people follow them and not God. They follow them and not Christ. They're following that word and not this word. Very important for us not to go beyond what is written. Paul, five times before he says that, quotes the scriptures. Five times. Why? Because Paul's faith, now I know this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard for you guys to, to always see it. It's going to be hard for some people out there to see it. Paul's faith was not just founded on some pseudo-spiritual float-through-the-air spiritual thing. It's founded on Scripture. Why could Jesus all of a sudden just come to Paul and knock him off his horse and show himself to him? Why did that's all it took for Paul to go, Lord! Why? Because Paul knew the Scripture front and back. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the Bible. And when he went to temple, he didn't go in there. You know, he, he, now I know what he said. He said, I didn't come with conniving words of men or, or this, but the power of the Spirit. Well, what was the power of the Spirit? The power of the Spirit to reveal through Scripture who Jesus Christ was. 
That's what he did. He went in and he argued through the scriptures with the Jewish people who Christ was. We got a lot of people that want to bring a word from God, but they won't sit down tell you who Jesus is. I made a commitment the last few months as we started preaching through books of the Bible. Why am I preaching through books of the Bible? Because I've never actually preached the whole word of God. I've never once preached the whole counsel of God. This is the whole counsel of God for man right here. Never preached through the whole thing. I've preached for a long time now. Never preached through the whole Bible. Why? Because I put more importance on experiences than I did on actually knowing God's word and gaining an understanding of who God is. Where does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Faith doesn't get brought through a prophetic word. It gets brought through the, pro the prophetic word. Christ. Him crucified. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? That's not going to be something that I find out here in the ethers. It's going to be something I find right here in the pages of this book. The written scripture that the Paul and the, the apostles were divinely inspired to write what they wrote. Amen? God's word. And all, do you realize that every book of the New Testament, the Old Testament is quoted nearly half of the time because they were not making their argument simply on the basis of a spiritual awakening. It was the spiritual awakening to what was already written. That's what he said. Those men, he didn't go to Jerusalem and just say, here's what it's, you know, here's what the Spirit of God says. No, he said, this is, Jesus died according to the scriptures. Amen? I didn't even get in, I didn't even get to get into all the stuff that I wanted to about spiritual gifts, how they operate. Is prophecy today the same as it was then? I don't believe that it can be because when prophecy happened then, they wrote it down and we call it scripture. I don't believe we can do that now. I don't believe that we can prophesy something and then write it down like we need to follow it. Amen? John said, don't take away. Don't add. Jesus said, not one jot or tittle will be taken from the law. John said, don't add a jot or tittle to this book. Amen. Now, I realize he's talking about the book of Revelation. We get in that debate. But the reality is, I firmly believe that canon's closed. I don't believe that we're going to start writing the book of Mike. Do you? No. Okay. We're not going to start writing the, the other book of Ruth, are we? <laughs> we're not going to start writing the book of Kevin either. Why? Because the canon of scripture is closed. 
I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to the heart of men. I'm not saying that God doesn't uh, will people to do his bidding. But as far as it being authoritative and scripturally equal, it's not. It's not. Amen? I didn't get into all that. I wanted to. Ran out of time. Paul says, I urge you to follow me in Apollos and to not go beyond what's written. There's going to be many people in your life, and it happened to me over and over and over and over. There's going to be many people in your life that are going to try to get you to go this way, Tabitha. I want you to follow this stuff. There's going to be people in Mike's life, and there's already been people in Mike's life. He knows what I'm talking about. People in your life say, hey, go follow this way. You know why Mike's where he's at now? Because Mike read the scriptures and said, I don't think that's jiving with what I'm reading. Amen? I've been there. I've read, I've, I've went and followed this person, that person, this movement, that movement, and then I started reading my Bible some more and I went, uh-oh. This ain't what we should be doing. Amen? Very recently, I'll be completely honest with you. What we were involved with for a year at the outpouring, some of that was beneficial, but there was much of it that was not God. Much of it that was not what Christians should be doing. Okay? Meaning that we're putting our faith in a system of understanding that doesn't show itself in the life of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles, or the early church. Amen? I want to be like that. I want to follow this book. Amen? I ask people this over and over. I said, why is God going to give you some special revelation when you can't even follow this book right now? <laughs> you can't obey this word. Why do you need another one? Amen? Let's stand. We'll pray. He's ready. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for... Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for instructing us, guiding us, God. Thank you, Lord, that your word is our lamp. It's the lamp unto our feet, the light unto our path, God. Lord, that we are going to hide your word in our heart, that we would not sin against you. Lord, I know that this does not happen on our own accord, but that Jesus Christ, when he reveals himself to us and we are born again, he puts the law on our heart. He writes it on the tablets of our heart and he causes us to be changed and to walk in your statutes, God. So, Lord, we just ask for those who are in the church that may not be of the church in America, God, that you would bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would become born again, or that you would root them out and deliver them out of the church, that your church might be whole, complete, that it would be without spot and blemish. Lord, we know that you are coming back one day. And when you do, and when you do, Lord, we want you to find us working. And we want you to find us 
good stewards over the things that you have left in our care. Help us, Lord, to do what we know we should do and empower us to do what we cannot do for ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.